Hi, I'm Paul Jay. Welcome to the analysis.news. And please don't forget the donate button at the top of the webpage. According to Sunday's New York Times, tens of thousands of protesters across Russia took to the streets on Sunday for a second consecutive week to rally for jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny, and they were met by one of the most imposing shows of police force seen in the country's recent history. In Moscow, the police shut down subway stations and paralyzed much of the city center as they scrambled to prevent protesters from gathering in one place. It was a show of force and Kremlin anxiety, unseen in recent years, that disrupted the core of a metropolis of 13 million people. Well, is the New York Times report accurate? Is Navalny the real reason people are protesting? And what to make of Putin? Is he the demonic dictator the West makes him out to be? Or is he the state representative of the Russian oligarchy, much like the US government represents the American oligarchy? Now joining us from Moscow is Alexander Buzgalin. He's a professor and director of the Center of Modern Marxist Studies at Lomonosov, Moscow State University, chief editor of the left Marxist journal Alternatives Russia, an academic journal dealing with problems in political economy. He's also vice president of the World Political Economy Association and one of the organizers of the Russian Social Forum. So please uh, welcome, for, welcome, Alexander. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to participate in this dialogue with you, Paul. Uh, of course, uh, New York Times uh, put not a good picture of the reality. Well, first of all, it was really big uh, demonstration, big number of people, but uh, maximum 10,000 people in Moscow, I think much less. And uh, it was also protest actions in many cities and towns of Russia, but mainly in big cities and with a much less number of participants than in Moscow and St. Petersburg. Of course, this is big uh, and very important fact in our history. But we had much more strong demonstrations and opposition activities. It was a big number of rallies against growth, against pension reform when we not we, our government, increased ages from 60 to 65. It was also many thousands of people in all over the Russia. Uh, we had similar demonstrations in uh, 2012, and it was much bigger demonstrations uh, last time. Uh, in any case, uh, this is not so important. The most important question is, what was the main slogan of people who came to the streets? Navalny was just formal prerequisite. Majority doesn't support him. When he made attempt to be candidate for one or another elections, he had a few percent, two, three percent of support, nothing more. And uh, there are reasons. He is representative of right-wing uh, liberal circles. He started as nationalistic leader with some even fascist slogans uh, in uh, it was seven, eight years ago. Then he was together with United Russia. This is a ruling party, let's say Putin's party in Russia. After that, he became leader of liberal opposition. Also in his movies, he is using a lot of uh, 
photos, videos, uh, which can be made only with assistance of Secret Service. In Russia, it's impossible to use such, uh, I don't know, planes or helicopters or anything to make photos of palaces. Uh, very often, this is not true. So he is a representative of one of the wings of our establishment. They have more conservative wing and we have more liberal wing. And uh, Navalny is a symbolic person. He's not even the leader. He's a symbolic person uh, of one of the wings of our officials. Now, when you say liberal, what does that mean in the Russian context? It's very important to explain. In Russia, liberal doesn't mean the same as in the United States. It's not a democratic uh, semi-left opposition and so on. Uh, liberals in Russia are supporters of uh, neoliberal social and economic policy. No progressive income tax. Or for example, even Trump with 35% income tax for billionaires will be communist in Russia. Because <laughs> in Russia, only leaders of communist party can propose 30% income tax for rich. Uh, President Putin, nothing for uh, equal for everybody, 30%. By the way, Navalny is the same. Uh, we don't have uh, real strong industrial policy. We have semi-feudal regulation. And what will do Navalny or his leaders, uh, his uh, supporters, uh, if they have power? It will be the same like in Russia in 1990s, when we had 50% decline of production and more than 30% decline of income, for majority even 50%. So that well, that, well, that's my question. Why is the West such a fan of Navalny? Uh, because uh, not Navalny himself, but uh, uh, neoliberal policy of open gates for Western capital will be profitable. Plus, Russia will not be, how to say, competitor in the geopolitical games. Now, Russia is trying to play, not Russia, Russian government, uh, is trying to play a role of counterforce in uh, big politics, in world politics. Of course, Russia is not as strong as the United States or China, but still in Syria and some other places, uh, Russian government are trying to create some alternatives to NATO, to US activity, and they don't like this. But nature is the same. And you're absolutely right that uh, Modern uh, government in Russia, state, Russian state, Russian officials are representatives of big capital, uh, like in the United States, like in uh, nearly in all countries of the world. There is small difference. Uh, in our country, the force of uh, army, the force of military industrial complex, the force of secret services, we have a lot of them, is much bigger than uh, in maybe in Europe. I'm not speaking about United States. <laughs> it's a big question for me who is a real owner, uh, big capital or bureaucrats and the secret service in the United States, who is stronger. In Russia, maybe state bureaucrats are a little bit more stronger than capital, but they are representative of the capital. They could pu put to the prison one or another representative of uh, big capital, but they will never attack interests of big capital. They will never introduce uh, big restrictions for big capital in favor of people. And uh, about people who came to the streets, uh, very different people, very different goals. Some came just uh, because they are, let's say, real supporters of uh, formal bourgeois uh, slogans, freedom of speech and so on. And this is really important slogans. 
but uh, many people came because life in Russia is terrible. We have stagnation more than 10 years. We have a lot of people who are in poverty. 20 million have uh, $150 per month and less. And prices are more or less like in New York in many cities. Uh, for young generation, uh, there is another motivation. They don't have social lifts. They don't have social mobility. And they have uh, artificial, I want to say, artificial, artificial hopes that if liberals will come to power, they have a lot of chances to be rich tomorrow because they're so smart, they're so talented. And by the way, they're educated on the basis of uh, neoliberal uh, economics, neoliberal political ideas. Uh, and the idea says, I don't know, I can say even stupid. By that, by, by the, by that yeah, free market, no against public ownership, yeah. Traditional propaganda. And the, it's one of the paradoxes of uh, modern Russia. We have so-called patriotic ideology, and we have textbooks written by U.S. liberal politicians and economists, even more right than in the United States. Not Keynesian, but I don't know, monetarists still. Uh, and uh, this is one of the reasons. But majority of people who came to the streets, they just want to be subject of the history. They want to be not nobody. They want to be the person, the, 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 the man, I don't know, human being who can act, who can decide something, who can control these bureaucrats, these oligarchs. Uh, this is a um, real uh, explosive of the energy which is pressed, uh, which is oppressed maybe by state, by capital, by life, everyday life. The uh, demonization of Putin as, as this extreme autocratic dictator, um, that, that Western perception, how do you balance that, which seems exaggerated? On the other hand, there's very legitimate reasons for the Russian people not to like Putin's government. Uh, in Russia, we have much more complex situation, a lot of contradictions. Uh, a few years ago, Putin's team, I will not speak about person, he is just a symbol. He is not real uh, master of Russian life. Himself, he cannot do anything uh, which will not be supported by top officials and big capital. He doesn't have big power, by the way, in reality. He is a symbol of bureaucratic structure and uh, huge uh, power of uh, big capital. Uh, but sometimes, by the way, state corporations, they are semi-state, semi-private. And his power now is, uh, I don't know, caricature on the situation in uh, Western European countries in the United States and so on. He is not to differ in uh, real content uh, of his power. Um, it's demonization, of course. And uh, as far as population is concerned, uh, we have strange contradiction. If you ask, do you like Putin personally? I think 50% will say maybe yes, yes, not bad, something like that, not against. And this is not uh, only of, uh, official opinion polls. This is uh, opinion of, of people. Uh, there are different reasons. One of the reasons is his independent foreign policy. Russia was very tired to be a semi-colony of the United States. We have terrible form of westernization, a take on Russian culture, Russian national spirit, uh, proud of Russian people. Uh, and it was uh, very negative. 
and it created opposite reaction. And when uh, government led by Putin made some steps in foreign policy, independent steps, and showed that we are not slaves of the NATO, we can act uh, independently, it was big support from below to this policy. Now it is not the case. People are tired. And uh, finally, they want to have changes in economy and social life and culture, and we don't have anything. And that's why if you ask, do you support uh, modern economic policy? Absolute majority will say no. Do you support social policy? No. Do you support measures of state and education? No. And so on and so far. So it's a very strange paradox when personality so-so, but uh, real actions of state, uh, only negative estimations, so mainly negative estimations. Why did Putin and the Russian state get into direct confrontation with the U.S., particularly in Syria? Uh, the Chinese have been very smart about not going into direct confrontation with the U.S. Uh, why did Putin do it? Uh, it's better to ask Putin, of course, <laughs> not me. <laughs> uh, there are different reasons. One of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons I already mentioned. In Russia, uh, we have legacy of Soviet Union. And by the way, now we have a lot of memory about Soviet Union and not bad things which we really had in past, uh, including our culture. We have a lot of Soviet movies. Uh, we have big memory about victory in World War II. And it was really great uh, battle against fascism. It was big victory of anti-fascist forces in all over the world. But I may be wrong, but I think it is, first of all, victory of Soviet people. And this memory created image of our country as country which can and must participate in world relations in order to bring more justice, to oppose to imperialist forces. And inside Russia, all activity of our state abroad is um, uh, shown as uh, anti-imperialist activity, as support of anti-imperialist forces. And it created a big support from below to Putin's policy and to Putin's government. Not governments, the whole apparatus, the whole state. Uh, from another point of view, there are some real uh, reasons uh, because of the aggressive uh, behavior of NATO countries and the United States. Uh, we don't have picture, but maybe you find in the internet, there is a wonderful picture. Uh, Russia and NATO bases around all country, a lot of them, what will be reaction of U.S. citizens if Russian uh, weapons, tanks, soldiers, airplanes will be around United States everywhere, in Canada, in Mexico, in Pacific Ocean, in Atlantic Ocean, everywhere? Uh, I think it will be huge, strong growth of nationalism. And the only slogan, Pentagon must be strong. CIA must be main agent of our policy. And we so get that we without Russian tanks surrounding the country. <laughs> Yeah. So it's uh, unfortunately a bad joke, but uh, this is reality. There is threat uh, and there is pressure. Uh, and uh, also, by the way, one of the main uh, supporters of the Putin state, state apparatus of the Putin policy in our country is U.S. propaganda. You created uh, from Russia a country of, uh, I don't know, devils, stupid devils, uh, only negative pictures. Uh, Russia is terrible, Russia is aggressive, Russia is dangerous, nothing positive. 
and uh, because of that it's very simple to sh create image we are in fortress around only enemies so we must love our tsar or it will be terrible catastrophe and instead of putin we will have obama trump uh, anybody else and nato soldiers instead of our soldiers so, and if you read the New York Times, you will understand <laughs> that Russia is a terrible country. Yeah? Uh, one time, if US not left media like your website, like your resource, but if a mainstream, uh, I don't know, media in the West could, it's fantasy, could write, Russian government is authoritarian. Russian economic policy is very neoliberal. Why don't you make positive steps in the direction of social justice, uh, planification, state regulation, uh, development of education, uh, more spending for social needs and so on. Even in uh, West European countries, we have uh, some social protection. In the United States, we have, I don't know, maybe you have nothing, but <laughs> you can say that you have something, uh, at least progressive income tax. So uh, such critique will be absolutely understandable for our people. And if you add, but we like Russian culture, we think that Russian people are working hard, and so on and so far. Uh, and we think it, there are some reasons why Russia can participate in world politics, not only United States. It will be another image, and it will be much less support inside Russia to our officials, and much more peaceful relation towards Western officials, establishment, and media. But when it is only anti-Russian propaganda, it creates... Uh, opposite reaction in Russia. But there's a problem with that. Yeah. Well, there's a problem because if, if, American, if American media covered Russia that way, how would they explain the need for a trillion dollars in modernizing the nuclear weapons program? How would they explain 14 new Ford-class aircraft carriers? Uh, how do they explain a trillion dollar military budget? I don't think we can go there. There are uh, let, uh, economic class uh, reasons for such type of propaganda and for opposite reaction in our country. In Russia, it also creates opportunity for development of military industrial complex and spendings for police, uh, secret uh, services and so on. That's a morbid dance they do. The Russian military industrial complex and the American love, they love each other. They couldn't exist. I mean, also, I, let's throw in the Chinese military industrial complex too. They're not, they're getting, in fact, I was seeing recently that five of the 15 largest arms manufacturers in the world are now Chinese. So there's a, there's a, a three-way dance going on here. All right, yeah, let, let, know, in Russia, we have such funny uh, performance when one man making from legs, one person from hands, another person, and they're fighting each other. But really, it's one man. I think it's military-industrial complex of uh, U.S. and Russia. Although I, I, I must say the Americans are so much bigger and so much worse than either the Russians or the Chinese. No one has committed as many crimes on the world stage as the Americans have. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to Russia. Uh, to what extent is it true that uh, Putin's government, I know they try to make it all about Putin, but let's say Putin's government, is authoritarian. It's described in the West as practically like a police state. In this report by the New York Times, they talk about demonstrators being crushed and arrested. Apparently, three or 4,000 people were arrested uh, on Sunday. Uh, so what is the truth of the l lack of democracy 
for example, as compared to the United States? First of all, uh, it's uh, difficult for me to compare with the United States. I was not beaten in the United States by police. But I think you and your friends have this experience. I have experience of Russian police. Uh, so as far as these demonstrations is concerned, uh, I saw attack of police on demonstrators in the United States. These water machines, uh, bullets, uh, gas, uh, and also a lot of arrested people. Uh, it was in France, Yellow West, uh, it was in the United States, Black Cliffs does matter and so on. So in Russia, it's even, first time it was less uh, violence than typically in the West, by the way. Uh, today it was a really violent attacks, but again, it was no these water machines, it was maybe one time gas, but maybe not, nobody knows exactly. Uh, 3,000 people were arrested, but uh, majority of them were liberated in one, two hours. Uh, they were arrested just to destroy the uh, demonstration. So it's bad. Of course, it was necessary to give permission to organize rally in open square without all these restrictions and without attacks of police. Of course. But this is unfortunately normal for, for the United States, for France, for many other countries. We don't have uh, much worse uh, situation than in other countries. I uh, had uh, one time uh, dialogue with Western journalist, I think US journalist, and he said, you don't have freedom, you cannot say that Putin is son of the bitch. Uh, I said, uh, maybe on central TV I cannot say this, but in the internet, uh, I don't know, thousands of uh, uh, websites and resources are telling these terrible things about president, even stupid things. But I asked, can you on the first channel of U.S. television say that Putin is good guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, you couldn't. The conversation we're having now, which to my mind is realistic, balanced, uh, neither is Putin the devil, neither is, uh, are, we, are we claiming anything fantasy? You could never have this on any television channel in the United States. Yeah. So we have, uh, by the way, in Russia... We have not main TV, central TV channel, one of the TV channels, it's so-called общественное телевидение России, social TV of Russia, public TV of Russia. Maybe ninth or tenth in the rating of main channels. And uh, I have open air 10, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, nearly every week. I cannot criticize directly person, but I can say that state policy in economic sphere is terrible. I can say that we need changes in education. And so on. And Buzgalin is, I, I tell absolutely the same as here, only without name. Name is, is nearly forbidden to pronounce. This is formal difference. In the US, in Europe, you have more formal uh, liberties. In our country, less formal liberties. But nature of the system is everywhere the same. And you said it's power of big capital together with uh, top bureaucracy and the uh, secret uh, police and so on and media, mainstream mass media. And manipulation is a real tool for uh, organization of all political, social, cultural life. Strong, permanent manipulation. By the way, it's not only in politics, it's in economic life. When everybody understands that it cannot be uh, Christmas without Coca-Cola, you know, Coca-Cola, the truck, yeah, for, I don't know, do you have this advertising or not? We have every Christmas this terrible story in Russia. 
So it's manipulation. Every corporation organized this system of manipulation and state. In Russia, it has more primitive forms, I can say. And maybe not even so efficient as in the United States, but nature is the same. Yeah, you could see it in the United States. It serves the American elites for the media always to make this about the person of Putin and not the oligarchy and capital and the vicious exploitation of Russians by Russian oligarchy and capital. Exactly the same way CNN and MSNBC, they love to make this personal attacks on Trump, and certainly he deserved it, but they never wanted to talk about the sections of big capital and the oligarchy that were behind Trump. And I'm not only talking about the right-wing billionaires, you know, the Robert Mercers and Sheldon Adelsons, who almost never got connected on mainstream media as the people that helped make Trump president, but big capital on Wall Street that so benefited from the tax cuts and, the, and such, including companies like BlackRock that are traditionally actually pro-democratic party, love Trump for most of the time he was in office. You know, at the end, he had outlived his usefulness and they got rid of him. Uh, you know, and what I think, I, I'm calling it a, a, a coup within a failed coup. I won't get into that now. But, but the same thing, you make it all about the person, never about how the system operates and, and how classes operate. Yeah, you know, it was film Cabaret, money, 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 money. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, about our life. Uh, unfortunately, big capital uh, together with violent uh, bureaucratic structures, they are together and they are rulers of the world and uh, it's more or less the same in different countries. Of course, Russia needs to have more uh, freedom, positive freedom. I can say even not freedom, but liberation because word freedom has different um, context and context, uh, contents and context. Uh, but uh, social liberation is extremely important. Uh, we have terrible labor code. It's nearly impossible to organize strike. By the way, uh, we have a leader of a left movement, of one of the left movements, Nikolai Platoshkin. He's professor, intellectual. He was arrested four months ago no court, nothing. Where is cry, uh, I don't know, voice of the Western fighters for human rights? Professor is arrested for nothing, absolutely nothing. He, he tells that we need a new economic, social, political cause. We need socialism. Uh, we need new president, not Putin. Nothing illegal. He is not uh, under the court. He is in his home, arrested sick, he has heart attack, had heart attack because of isolation and so on. Where is protest? Nothing. Navalny is honestly son of the bitch. Uh, he is much worse than the uh, majority of Putin's officials um, as far as his economic, uh, social uh, position, uh, nationalist and so on. So, uh, but uh, he is useful. He is a good puppet in the hands of uh, manipulators. But I want to stress, uh, in our country, uh, there is typical critique of uh, all these um, protest actions uh, because uh, this is only um, a result of uh, US government, uh, European Union government's uh, propaganda and so on. It's not true. Of course, uh, US officials, uh, press, uh, secret uh, organs, uh, secret police, and so on, created a lot, uh, made a lot of efforts to support opposition. But real uh, reasons are internal. It's the same like in Belarus, by the way. 
I don't know if I can say, but uh, we wrote with Andrei Kalganov article in Critical Sociology, uh, the journal uh, um, Critical Sociology, and uh, we made analysis of Belarus events, contradictions. In Russia, we have very similar situation. And this is internal contradictions. Uh, and the people are tired from absence of subjectivity, political subjectivity. They want to be actors, not uh, puppets. And this is very important. And by the way, I think uh, protest in the United States, protest of uh, Yellow West was also interconnected, not only or mainly with uh, racism and poverty, but uh, with um, uh, understanding, maybe not understanding, but feeling of people that they're just puppets. They're nobody. They're not persons. And people are tired from this. In academic language, this is alienation, social alienation. People are tired from social alienation, from this dusty atmosphere, atmosphere of swamp, where we are like frogs, but even with forbidden to say quack, quack. <laughs> uh, we, you talked uh, before about there's more formal democracy in the United States than in Russia. And I, I said and maybe. I, I, no, no, there is. And I actually think it's important to stress that there is because the American people have fought to defend as much as they can certain amounts of this formal democracy. And, and, and it still does exist. It's less than it's other times. Uh, certainly Trump and his forces wanted to get rid of even the veneer of formal democracy. Uh, Trump wanted to get militarized, completely militarized the police. He would have thrown protesters in prison for 10 years. Uh, this is not to say the Democratic Party is not did not also promote a certain militarization of the police, but at the level of certain cities and certain states, uh, there is room, and the courts and the judicial system operates to some extent. Uh, I, I can't say it's fair because there's inherently nothing fair about the whole system and the way it operates. But that level of formal democracy, there is still, you know, a judge here and a judge there will actually follow the Constitution and, and, and uh, a certain amount of due process does take place. We'll see with this Trump-appointed Supreme Court uh, how much that lasts. Uh, this election was relatively fair, at least in the counting process. Of course, there's nothing fair in the way money gets spent. But we'll see. The Internet has changed the financial side, too. Uh, Bernie Sanders was raising as much or more money than a Hillary Clinton. Uh, the, the, the place is in flux, and uh, the elites uh, are a little split because a section of the elite is for the more Trumpian, and, and I don't want to individualize this too much because this was just as true for Ronald Reagan as it was for Trump, for a, a much more coercive, a more powerful state and suppress the left. There's a reason why Trump had so much anti-socialist, so much anti-left rhetoric, as did Reagan, uh, is because they really do fear and hate the left. And, and, we'll, and, and the Democratic Party, I think not because the corporate Democrats are nicer guys, is because they depend on big cities for electoral support. And the big cities are simply more progressive. And, there, and there's a real left, like in New York, there's been some significant left victories electorally at the uh, uh, congressional level, at the state assembly level. So I, I think that level of formal democracy in, in the United States, while it's nowhere near what they pretended to be, 
it is something and shouldn't be minimized. And, and, and I think in places like Russia, certainly in China, uh, you don't have it. Uh, not to, uh, it's not that there's nothing, but not, not as much as there is in the U.S. or a Canada or a Western Europe. Uh, it's an important distinction because people do need to fight to defend this at the same time without exaggerating it or demonizing what goes on in a Russia or a China. I agree. We need more formal democracy, but of course, it's better to have not formal but real democracy. That would be that would be better. But even uh, some formal democracy is a uh, little bit more formal democracy will be useful, of course. The problem is if we have a victory of so-called liberals in our country, we can have not more but less formal democracy. We had this experience in past. Uh, we have uh, one of the main sources of propaganda of liberal ideas and so-called opposition in our country, Radio Echo of Moscow. And uh, in this radio, I had a lot of debates and very often the radio journalists, very well known, were saying that we need Pinochet for Russia because to defeat all these old Soviet uh, uh, traditions, we need uh, real strong power. And Pinochet was not dictator. He was a good guy. He made real protection of market. He made real protection of private property and so on and so far. That's why if we have such person as Navalny with his authoritarian nationalistic slogans a few years ago, we can have even less formal democracy than we have now. We can have more dictatorship. This is a real threat. As I said, um, uh, when we had Yeltsin's government, formerly very democratic, with big love from, from the United States, from Europe and so on, it was in 1990s. But when uh, parliament, not opposition, parliament, decided to make law against terrible, brutal privatization in favor of more, more social economic policy, it was blockaded, it was uh, terrible attacks on demonstrators. A lot of people were beaten, arrested, and the demonstrations were much bigger. I participated in them. It was hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. And finally, when it was imp when we destroyed blockade, people destroyed blockade, uh, Yeltsin brought tanks, and tanks were shooting to the parliament. And thousands of people, as I said, were arrested and so on, uh, and uh, killed. Hundreds were killed directly. Uh, so we know what does it mean, formal liberal democracy in Russia. We already had this experience. Let me add to what I was saying about the United States and formal democracy. They do... The preponderance of the elites in the United States defend formal democracy in the United States, but they have no problem with the most vicious dictatorships everywhere else in the world as long as they're pro-American dictatorships. And not only in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, where they have supported dictatorship after dictatorship. The Americans supported dictatorship in Greece after World War II. They supported dictatorship in Spain after World War II, in Portugal. Uh, there's no place that they don't mind a dictatorship as long as it's pro-American and it's suppressing the left. Yes, it's true. Uh, that's why we have ambivalent situation. We have less formal democracy. We need formal democracy. We need more formal democracy. But what I'm afraid, if we don't have real uh, movement, real struggle from below, if we don't have social changes, social orientation, at least a little bit so, more social orientation, but better not minimum, but more social orientation, economic life, 
if we don't have uh, opportunity to create really independent, strong trade unions, uh, self-management in the regions, uh, in the cities, without that formal democracy will be not very useful in uh, our country and everywhere. This is first. And second important aspect, it's contradiction. Our officials are uh, less democratic in formal way than in the United States. But this is one part of the reality. Another part of the reality is that um, uh, in culture and ideology, we have a little bit more uh, memory about anti-fascism, about Soviet experience, and uh, some forms of, um, let's say, support of culture, not of formal marketization of everything. Uh, in our country, we have domination of market, yes, but little bit less than in the United States. You know, it's impossible to say that in our country, everything is for sale. We have some values and uh, memory about heroic decisions of Soviet people even, and so on. So this is not so simple. And sometimes I think Russia now plays a relatively positive role in international politics, at least as counterforce to the US imperialism and uh, in some aspects ambitions of other countries who are satellites of the United States or alliance or together with the United States. So this is important to remember. And when we criticize Russian state and I criticize all time, even in foreign policy, uh, we must remember that uh, we must uh, in the future, if we want to have progress, to increase this anti-NATO anti-imperialist uh, line in the foreign policy. Not to say we are friends of NATO and we like everything what NATO is doing and now we'll be satellite of NATO and we want to have NATO troops in our country. You know, this is important aspect, I think. Um, it's. I think it's too complicated right now to get into the Syria situation. Uh, I'm not so sure the Americans or the Russians was anything positive of what they did in Syria. Uh, but I certainly agree with you on the NATO. Uh, there's simply no justification to even their being in NATO now. It's nothing but uh, another excuse for arms expenditures and having this aggressive uh, positioning towards Russia. I mean, it's ridiculous to think. In fact, it was always ridiculous to think the Soviet Union planned to march into Western Europe it never planned to do so. There's no evidence of it. Uh, you know, I'm doing this documentary now with Daniel Ellsberg, and it, part of his become a transition from being a cold warrior to being a critic of U.S. policy was when he discovered that the, uh, you know, he was working for Rand Corporation as a nuclear war planner. He actually was helping write the nuclear war strategy for the United States in 1960. And he came to understand that the Soviet positioning was defensive. There was nothing offensive in the uh, posture of the Soviet Union. And I, I think it's the same day, thing today. To think that Russia's going to come and march into Western Europe is just ridiculous. Uh, but that's the picture that gets uh, painted. It's a continuation of the Cold War uh, mythology. Yeah, it was necessary to create invented enemy. It was necessary to find enemy anywhere. They decided that Russia is not bad because it is big, big territory, still a big nuclear power, strong army, relatively strong army, and uh, relatively independent foreign policy. So 
very good object to create invented enemy and then to have basis for growth of uh, military industrial complex uh, and generally militarization of uh, life. Uh, the same we received in our country. So I don't know who was the first, but uh, as we said, it's together. And this is extremely dangerous uh, uh, politics. And uh, by the way, now it's time for uh, renewal of peace movement. And uh, today is last day of uh, World Social Forum. Uh, it was a big event in the internet, but still it was a very big event. And uh, peace, uh, uh, anti-NATO agenda was very important in this uh, process. It was huge uh, rallies with a lot of listeners, viewers, people who were watching uh, these uh, uh, programs uh, on peace. And uh, I think it is time to think again about uh, struggle against militarization, against threat of the war and so on. Well, I think that has to merge with the uh, movement on climate change. That's the threat. The threat are both existential and the solutions are more or less the same. Yes, you're absolutely right. I agree completely, yes. All right, well, I'm glad we found each other again. It's been a while since we uh, interviewed. Uh, let's do this regularly, and we'll do our small part to trying to make uh, uh, this uh, uh, a Western and Russian uh, dialogue a little more rational. Yes, I'm very glad, and uh, let's be in touch. We have a lot of interesting events, and not only <laughs> such as demonstrations, we have some positive, constructive uh, processes, and we are very glad to talk about this. I mean, opposition in Russia has many constructive initiatives, positive initiatives. Let's right. also discuss these questions. Well, we will. Thanks very much, Alexander. Thank you very much, Paul. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news podcast. Please don't forget there's a, a donate button at the top of the webpage.